Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It is nine minutes after six o'clock here in South Bend on this Wednesday evening. Second hour sports beat underway here on WSBT Radio, where we will have the Irish and the Stanford Cardinals Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage will get started at one o'clock. Well, this Stanford football team comes to South Bend with a record of 1-4. and four. It's really strange the last couple of years to see David Shaw football teams struggling the way they have. But they're coming into town looking for their first FBS win in over a year. To offer some insight on this Stanford football team, we call upon Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network football analyst, also has a book out, Five Star Quarterback. It's not about stars, it's about the journey. Yogi, it's Darren Pritchett. A pleasure to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for your time. And let me just start with your reaction to this Stanford football program that kind of got rolling again under Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw took that and built on it. And now a team that has not won against an FBS school in a year, uh, put it into perspective what's happening right now with this Stanford football program. Yeah, it's hard to believe, right, to your point of everything that they've done there. Um, and then I visit Stanford, you know, once or twice a year when I'm calling a game or spring football. And I just, I, I, it's hard for me to accept that they're a three-win team, for instance, or a four-win team. And I think when you break them down, and I know Marcus Freeman and the staff have, like every game they've had this year, they've had their moments. Mm-hmm. They've had their opportunities. Of course, we all saw the dramatic finish, which was, over the weekend um, in their loss to Oregon state in the last play of the game. But you can go back and watch the SC game. Uh, you can go back and you know, really watch any of their games. They've had moments, right. So it looked like what they did a year ago, that win you're talking about was against Oregon who ended up going to the Pacto title game and was in contention for the playoff. And they won it in overtime and they did it physically. They did it through the air with their, you know, their skilled players, but to me, the thing that does stand out as an area where they've really struggled is defensively. You know, they just, for whatever reason, um, they haven't really been able to stop anybody. And at times, you know, it, it shows itself. And I think this past week, it was probably their best defensive effort of the season. Brought way more pressure than they had in the past. Really aggressive. Um, other than the last play, probably played their best game. Yeah, and I'd argue in, you know, maybe a year and some change. So we'll see how it shows up uh, this weekend. I, I know that they'll show up, though. They won't be a, it's not a program or a culture to lay down. Sure. The run defense statistically giving up 210 yards per game, 121st in the country. And this Irish football team feels like even though they faced a weak Carolina defense a couple of weeks ago, they ran the ball extremely well once again against BYU. So they've ran for 287 and 234 the last couple of weeks. Do you see a lot of resistance building at all in this Stanford run defense, or do you feel like this could be a mismatch like it shows on a piece of paper right now? Yeah, well, I think for, for Notre Dame, you know them better than I, but from what I've seen, it feels as though they've found 
kind of their comfort zone with Drew Pine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've known Drew since the Elite Eleven days, as well as Tyler. You know, like you know, it would have been a seemingly a different system under Tyler just because he's a different player. And I think you know, going from the Cal game and watching that one with Drew Pine at the quarterback to now, you know, this is a team that wants to run the football, set up the play action pass for the most part. You know, not have to ask their quarterback to to deal all game long or you have the offense run through him in that regard, but they want him to, you know, I hate the phrase manage it, but like command it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Drew's done that when you reference the last couple outings. And I think that's what they're going to have to do again. So to answer your question for Stanford, I think for them, what they're going to have to do is change up the targets on this offensive front, whether it's pre-snap movement. We see that at times now in college football, changing the picture, dropping an extra guy into the box and see if their guys outside can hang on and hold up in man-to-man coverage. And, and that, to me, is where Stanford is. Like, that is, they're going to have to risk a little bit more than they'd like to. You know, they had been relatively risk-adverse, and I say that around, like, pressures and blitzes and those types of things. I think this is a game, and probably the rest of the season, that we'll see them take more chances. So when Drew Pine gets his chances at a shot, he's got to make them pay. If not, I think Stanford will have a chance. Because I do think they'll be able to move the ball. I I think that Tanner McKee, every week, he makes throws that make you say, wow, okay, I get it why he's still on other people's big boards in the NFL. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network football analyst, our guest here on WSBT Radio. Yogi, were you familiar at all? Had you been around Tyler and Drew at all with your involvement in Elite 11? Yeah, oh yeah, I've known them both, um, for sure. Big fans of both of those young men. For for Drew... um, know him a, a little bit better because uh, we had the Elite 11 his year and I was there, you know, it wasn't a COVID year. Uh, and I can remember it like yesterday because his year was probably the most unique one in my 16 years, 17 years of Elite 11, where normally we vote on the MVPs as a coaching staff. Well, that year we really felt there was a need to teach, you know, emotional intelligence, which is the capacity to deal with your thoughts and the thoughts of others with empathy. So we actually put the quarterbacks into pods and it's notable because in Drew's pod, he had C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Hmm. And they had to vote every day who the best one was and then tell each other why they were or they weren't the best one. And, and the whole exercise was like, you can't just say, hey, Drew, you know I love you, but in seven-on-seven seven today, I thought that on the third play you didn't read the safety or whatever. Hmm. You, know, it, it, we, you couldn't do any of that. You just had to be very strict. And we brought in members of the military who do this as – you know, Navy SEALs do this a lot. The Marines do this a lot in terms of a mission end, and you just got to get to the truth. And it was a really cool exercise to watch that pod. I mean, that was the pod that I was connected to the most most of the time because of the players, right, that we saw within it. And they were all in contention for, you know, the MVP that year. And C.J. Stroud ends up winning it. And Bryce Young walks away as number two. And now those two guys are one and two or two or one or however you want to argue it in, in major college football now as the top quarterbacks. But it was cool to watch Drew in that environment. And what I took away from it was that Drew Pine is an incredible competitor. You know, incredible competitor. It was evident. And he's your classic, like, okay, you're going to tell me maybe I'm not big enough, not fast enough, but let me go play. And I found his teammates and the guys that were around him, because it starts just at the quarterbacks and then you bring in receivers and DBs and running backs. And, you know, all of a sudden you have 160 of the best players in high school football in America. And Drew Pine continued to evolve and elevate as the week went on and get comfortable. So I wasn't surprised that he took what deemed to be, or at least seemed to be, 
you know, critical coaching in real time on television, right? In that game, uh, where he gets his, where he gets his, you know, initial playing time in the season. And it's grown since then. I think that's his personality. And then on the flip side for Tyler Buckner, you know, I had, um, it was COVID that year where we did the elite 11 and, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time, so I didn't go. So I just did a lot of stuff on zoom and that's really where I got to know him. And, uh, he was awesome to talk to connect with. I thought as a player coming out of San Diego, um, you know, one of the best, if not the best recruit Notre Dame's had in a long time, a quarterback. Uh, and I'm a big believer in his skill set and was, was crushed, like I'm sure a lot of people, when you know he went down with an injury. So I'm looking forward to him getting healthy and getting a chance to come on back. Hmm. Very interesting. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network football analyst, my guest here on WSBT Radio. You mentioned a moment ago, Yogi, you feel like Stanford is going to be able to move the football on Saturday. And you look at the injuries they're dealing with. You have an outstanding running back, and E.J. Smith is down. I've read that left tackle Walter Rouse and Levi Rogers, the right guard, are not going to play on Saturday. They get the right tackle back in Miles Hinton. I know nobody wants excuses, but how much are injuries holding back the Stanford offense? Yeah, well, I would say it's kind of holding back their program. You know, you go back to 2019, dramatic amount of injuries. 2020, they probably were playing the best football in the league in the shortened season out here on the West Coast. 2021, another dramatic amount of injuries on that team at so many positions. And they're feeling it again now, to your point. And it's like you can't put your finger on it. you know. And, and I look at them this year. I was so high on Stanford because their offensive line, for instance, as you referenced a couple guys that may be out for the game, they didn't have – let me rephrase. This is their first full offseason training hmm. because COVID hampered them in 20 and 21. Like I was calling games at Stanford last year, and they were still meeting on Zoom. There weren't many programs in the country wow. that were doing that ever, let alone in 2021, right? You go to the South and nobody met on Zoom in the season, right? Like, so I, I think that's never really talked about in terms of what they've had to deal with. So physically, I was like, okay, this is the year where that offensive line is back to what we know to the road graders, NFL potential, because they are NFL potential guys. They all look the part. They'll walk into the stadium on Saturday and they'll say, yep, they look like every offensive line is big time in major college football. But since they've been banged up, it's just been hard. And, and I think for them offensively, there's really no room for mistakes. There's no room for unforced errors. And that's why Tanner McKee, you look at some of their wideouts, um, big fan of the group that they have. Michael Wilson's the leader in the clubhouse. Elijah Higgins is a matchup issue in the slot at 6'3", 240. Bryson Tremaine, you saw his big playability last week and, and really throughout his career before his injury last year. So Notre Dame didn't get to see that, but – you know, last year he's, you know, he, he's, you know, he might have the best hands on the field on Saturday. They have a tight end of Ben Urosik who can do everything. Like, they have players to move the ball. You'll see them run uh, what is coined as, like, the slow mesh. They, could, they added a new wrinkle to their offense this year. You've seen them play with different tempos. Like, they're going to – they'll bring it offensively. Will it be enough? I don't know, because I don't know if they can have empty possessions. I think if you said at the end of the game they were – you know, four possessions where they got nothing, I think that's going to be hard for them to win. I think they've got to move the ball. they got to own the clock and play situational football from the jump, not just midway through the third quarter when you're trying to end, end a ball game. Yogi, I look back at Tanner McKee last year against some of the best competition outside of the Arizona State game when they were ranked. He threw three picks. 
Otherwise, against these top teams, he was highly efficient. Against Notre Dame, 20 of 25 for 172, had a touchdown pass and no interceptions. When the NFL looks at Tanner McKee, what are his strengths that are going to make him an option to be drafted soon? The pure passer. Pure. Pure passer. You should listen to uh, – I just had him on um, my podcast uh, this week. He also uh, – or I had him on two weeks ago. There's a feature that will come on the Pac-12 Networks tomorrow about him. This is a guy who, A, is pure. B is ridiculously resilient. You know, in high school, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he had to get part of his scalp removed. And if they missed by a millimeter, a millimeter in the surgery, it would hit a nerve which wouldn't allow him to ever throw again. And this is a guy who was groomed to be an athlete. Like, he was playing anything and everything. You go watch him play basketball, volleyball, you're like, whoa, he's professional in something, whatever it may be. And he's all a six-foot-six you know, 230. I mean, the, he looks the part. He's filled out, and he's got a maturity that makes him, I think, really unique. So on the field, you'll see a guy that won't back down, won't flinch, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what the scoreboard looks like, no matter, you know, how backed up they are in the end zone, how loud the crowd is. It, it won't affect him. Two, he can hit spots, which I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks in the country that can do that under duress. He's been able to prove that time after time. He's way more athletic than you think. So if you're just going to bring a ton of pressure, like they'll run a version of their zone read or the slow mesh or an RPO, and he'll keep it out the back door. Like he's way more athletic than a traditional 6'6 quarterback might look. And, and I'll tell you, his, his, his acumen's off the charts, which you'd expect at Stanford, of course. But he'll be able to anticipate. So if, you know, Al Golden is trying to, you know, manipulate coverages and, you know, bring safeties late, like, there's not many times where I've seen Tanner McKee confused. And I think that that's going to be an area for them where they're going to have to attack. Like they're going to, they don't, they can't afford, as I referenced earlier, empty drops. And a reason they got a chance in this game is because Tanner McKee is the guy at the helm. I'm going to kind of mix in a Stanford question with a USC question. So bear with me, but I know this was a couple of weeks ago and a lot of things changed. That's why I'm going to ask this, but Stanford ran for 221 yards on 45 carries against USC. Now, obviously it was the second game of the year for both football teams. How much of the result of that stat line was the USC defense still trying to figure things out? Because I look at Stanford last week, they didn't seem to run the ball that well against, I guess, an okay run defense in Oregon State. Well, I think part of it is what we referenced, right, with the injuries, whether it's at running back or on the offensive line. I think there's something to that that is legitimate and noteworthy. I think the other thing, I go back to the execution. Like, if you pull back and you go watch every one of Stanford's games, and let's just eliminate the opener. But SC, they're moving the ball, and it's 7 nothing. They're about to tie the score, and, you know, they throw a pick. It's 14-7. They're about to tie the score, and they fumble inside the one. Before you know it, it's 35-14. You go to the UW game. They're moving the ball well. And all of a sudden, they don't convert, and they have a couple empty drives, and boom, explosive plays, it's over. Oregon, same thing. Like, you can pull out moments from every one of their games where you say to yourself, like, they're not a team with just one win. Like, and, and that's why I think it's a scary game for Notre Dame because, you know, much like Notre Dame kind of early in the season, you know, Stanford just hasn't been able to put it together. You know, that's been their problem. They will. I wouldn't be shocked if they came out and this game was really tight late 
And if they went on a streak and upset somebody here on the West Coast, whether it's UCLA or Utah, or you know, you look at their you know their last back half of the schedule, um, they're good enough. It, it's it's not like it's a team, and we've seen teams that are down. And you're like, man, they they got no chance. I don't think that's the case. The biggest issue they have will be defensively. You know, can they slow anything down? Where are they at from a schematic standpoint? Can they out-effort Notre Dame in this ballgame? Can they will a turnover to them? Because they don't have elite team speed, I think, on that side of the ball. They're not they're, – nobody's bad. Mm-hmm. But they're not the Stanford defense that went to the Rose Bowl, you know, when we're talking about five, six years ago. Yogi, good to talk to you. That is great analysis and really appreciate your time. Interesting to get your thoughts on Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, the Irish quarterbacks from their Elite 11 days. And wow, the the Pine-Stroud-Young conversation was fascinating. So greatly appreciate you jumping on board here in South Bend. Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we can talk to you down the road. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 